Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good morning, wild ride. Nervous investors from coast to coast after the Dow plunges 1,000 points, its worst day in two years. Inside, the turmoil being driven by efforts to get record inflation under control and what you can do to protect your money. On a mission as the war rages in Ukraine, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden heads to Europe overnight for a firsthand look at the humanitarian crisis, while new details emerge about the U.S. intelligence used to help Ukraine sink a Russian cruiser. We'll have a live report from the front lines. New COVID concerns with cases rising across the United States, a setback in the vaccine effort. The alarming risk that has the FDA now limiting access to Johnson & Johnson's shots. As the top health official in New York warns, the latest surge could lead to a return of mask mandates. This morning, we'll go one-on-one -on -one with the White House COVID response coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha. Battlegrounds. The U.S. Senate sets a vote on the bill to legalize abortion nationwide, a direct response to that leaked Supreme Court draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade. The Chief Justice speaking out overnight as people on both sides of the debate dig in. And run for the roses. Excitement growing ahead of one of the most iconic events in sports, the Kentucky Derby. So mix up the mint juleps, grab your hats. We're taking you live to historic Churchill Downs today, Friday, May 6th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, hello, good morning, good to see you. It is 7 a.m. on the West Coast. We're so happy that you're starting your Friday morning with us, the beginning of Mother's Day. Savannah is off. Craig is in. Yeah. Are you ready for Saturday? The most exciting two minutes in sports, the Kentucky Derby. You got your hat ready? I do not have my hat <laughs> ready, but I've got my mint julep ready. All right, I figure you would. We do have a lot going on, a lot of developing stories to get to, including the news about the J&J &J vaccine, the FDA now looking to limit its use. We'll talk about that and the surge in cases with Dr. Ja, who now leads the White House's response to COVID. Also this morning, new details about the United States sharing information and intelligence with Ukraine, leading to some victories in the nation's war with Russia. It comes as the First Lady is arriving overseas at this hour to meet with U.S. troops and Ukrainian refugees. A full report straight ahead. Uh, but we do start with all eyes on Wall Street. Trading just getting underway this morning in the wake of the Dow's worst day in two years, down more than 1,000 points. Here's a look at where things stand right now. So, what does it all mean for you and your investments? NBC's Jolene Kent is with us now to break it all down. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning to you. The Dow already off to a rocky start this morning, reacting to the April jobs report from the Labor Department. 428,000 jobs were added back, meaning that well over 90% of jobs lost in the pandemic lockdowns have now returned. The unemployment rate holding steady at 3.6% as investors buckle up for another roller coaster ride on Wall Street today. 
A massive U-turn on Wall Street this week. S&P 500 declining 3.6%. Every sector is feeling the pain today. The Dow plunging more than 1,000 points on Thursday, its worst single day since 2020. The tech-heavy Nasdaq also taking a beating. Hundreds of billions of dollars of market value wiped out. It's rare that the Nasdaq jumps and then falls 4% at least on consecutive days. It was a stunning reversal of the massive gains on the markets on Wednesday, when investors initially cheered the Fed's decision to hike interest rates again in an attempt to get inflation under control. A day later on Wall Street, a total about face. Investors selling off some of the biggest names. Etsy sinking nearly 17%, Tesla sliding more than 8%, Amazon also down 7.5%, and cryptocurrency taking a major hit too. Popular pandemic stocks also continued their slide. Peloton, Zoom, and Netflix all down more than 60% each in the last six months. The stock market is betting what the economy is going to look like not today, but 12 months from now. And what the market is saying effectively is it's going to be worse, not better than where we are today. Thanks to the interest rate hike, borrowing money is about to get even more expensive. Experts recommend consumers weather the storm by reducing their debt. And when it comes to your portfolio, they say hold tight. Typically doing nothing is the best trade you can make in an environment like this, there is no question that the next several months are going to be very, very bumpy. As for that April jobs report, average hourly pay did go up by 5.5%, but that's still far behind the 8.5% inflation that you're feeling on groceries, gas, and everything in between. And there are still nearly two job openings for every unemployed worker. That labor shortage still one of the main reasons prices are so high, Craig. Jolene Kent for us this morning. Joe, thank you. Also this morning, concerns over COVID are mounting once again. Cases on the rise in the United States. The daily average climbing to 66,000. That's up 50% over the last two weeks. Deaths up over 30% over that same period. And now the vaccine push is taking a hit. The FDA moving to restrict the use of Johnson & Johnson's one-shot dose due to the rare risk of blood clots. All this in a week that the U.S. crossed a grim milestone, one million COVID-related deaths. Joining us now to talk about all of it is White House COVID-19 Response Coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha. Dr. Jha, good morning to you. Good to see you. Good morning, Hoda. Thanks for having me here. The numbers are stunning. Actually, in the last three weeks, cases have gone up 70 percent. And we were looking back at the calendar, and it was three weeks ago that the airlines lifted their mask mandates because of that judge's order. Do you guys see a direct correlation between those mask mandates being lifted and the numbers we're seeing right now? Yeah, Hoda, it's a really good question. I think what's driving the increase in infections across the country right now is this very contagious new subvariant, BA2. Uh, it is spreading uh, in, in, in large parts of the country. Uh, it's the dominant variant uh, here in the Northeast and in the Midwest and in other parts of the country as well. So I think that's the primary driver. Um, still believe that masking on airplanes would have been helpful and, and for the federal judge not to have intervened. But I think the primary driver here is that very contagious subvariant. Well, given that contagious subvariant um, and the numbers going higher, can we expect to see mask mandates put in place again? 
Yeah, so, you know, what we're suggesting, I mean, we're suggesting what, what we're expecting is that um, we're going to have localities make those decisions. You know, the, the CDC has laid out a map and, a, and a, uh, an approach to when to think about mask mandates, really driven by three factors, infections, hospitalizations, hospital capacity. Uh, most of the country remains in the green, uh, not mm -hmm. recommending to have indoor mask mandates. But we will see localities make that decision on a case-by-case -case basis. The numbers are staggering. I mean, when we said the word the one million people have died of COVID-19. That's more than the Spanish flu. It's actually more than the population of Atlanta times two. I don't know if you had a chance to break down those numbers, Dr. Ja, but of those million people, were you able to determine who in that group was vaccinated and who was not? Yeah, so we do track that. What we know is that a vast majority of Americans who have perished from this disease uh, were unvaccinated in the latest round of infections that we saw that big Omicron surge in January. Uh, most of the deaths occurred either in unvaccinated people or people who were not boosted. Uh, so vaccines remain the best way to protect yourself, especially getting boosted. But every one of those deaths, vaccinated or unvaccinated, is a tragedy, yeah. and we've got to do everything we can to prevent that. Let's talk about another headline, Dr. Jots, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. There were a handful of people who tested positive for that. The president was in attendance at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Um, it was, you know, 2,600 people, I think, in this closed room. Uh, Dr. Fauci said himself that he made the choice not to go because of his risk assessment. If you had a do-over, would you tell the president of the United States, would you have asked him not to attend that event? Well, I think if we take a step back here, Hoda, and look at that event, look at events like that, everybody was vaccinated and boosted. Everybody had a negative test. I think the question is, are there ways of making gatherings safer or not? And I believe that the White House Correspondents Center did the things that we know make the event safer. Um, you know, the president made a choice, uh, and based on all of the facts and based on the fact that there are those uh, sort of protections in place, and I think that's the safe way to gather together, and I actually encourage people, if they're going to gather, to use those tools to make it a safer thing to do. All right, and just quickly at the end here, the J&J &J vaccine, a lot of folks did get that vaccine, and now we're hearing from the FDA. It's sort of like if you have a choice, choose Pfizer or Moderna because of the possibility, the remote possibility of blood clots. For the folks who've already gotten that vaccine, are they at any risk? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, the, what we know is extremely rare risk. And here's the key point. All of those rare events happen in the first couple of weeks after you've gotten vaccinated. So if you're more than a couple of weeks out, you're in the clear. We don't, haven't seen any cases come up uh, beyond a few weeks. So if you've gotten one of these vaccines, the J&J &J vaccine, you're protected and you're out of that window where that rare risk can happen. Dr. Shaw, do you like your new gig there at the White House? <laughs> It's a challenge, but you know, it is an opportunity to serve the American people, and that really is an honor of a lifetime. Hold All right, on. you're doing it well. Dr. Jha, thank, thank you. you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Well, we turn now to the latest from Ukraine as the fighting rages on there. We are learning more this morning about the help Ukrainian forces are receiving from U.S. intelligence. This is the First Lady, Dr. Joe Biden, heads to the region to meet with refugees displaced by the war. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is in Kyiv once again for us. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Craig. We just learned that the First Lady has arrived in Romania. Dr. Jill Biden telling the U.S. press pool this morning that the trip is to, quote, let the Ukrainian people know that we stand with them. This as we're getting more information about America's involvement in the conflict.
The sinking of the Russian cruiser Moskva, Russia's pride of the Black Sea, shocked the world after two Ukrainian anti-ship missiles struck the vessel on April 14th. This morning, U.S. officials telling NBC News that happened with the help of the United States. Americans identified and located the vessel when asked by Ukrainian officials. This video, not verified by the Pentagon, appears to show the Moskva after it was hit, sitting low in the water with smoke billowing. The U.S. did not know in advance that Ukraine was going to target the Moskva and was not involved in the decision to strike, the officials said, adding the intelligence shared was meant to help Ukraine defend itself. The news after yesterday's New York Times report citing unnamed senior American officials that the U.S. has provided intelligence that allowed the Ukrainians to target and kill a number of Russian generals. On Thursday, the Pentagon responded to the New York Times report. We do not provide intelligence on the location of senior military leaders on the battlefield. This is the Russians' work to clear the devastated port city of Mariupol so that citizens can mark Monday's Victory Day, this man says, as Russia prepares to celebrate the end of World War II. While bloody battles rage at the city's old steel plant, where hundreds of Ukrainian fighters and civilians remain trapped inside. Overnight, President Zelensky saying the Russian shelling is ongoing. Just imagine the hell, he says. A hell that Mariupol photographer Evgen Sunovsky says is all too familiar, having fled the city just days ago. His images are chilling, including the photos of a diary written by an eight-year-old boy whose family was injured in the shelling. A page from the diary reads, my grandfather died, the boy writes. I have a wound on my back, torn skin. My sister has a head injury. My mother has a hole in her leg. Evgen reads the final words of the boy's diary entry out loud. My favorite Mariupol is died. Small boy wrote that his city is died. The haunting portrait of innocence lost to war. The photographer is not naming the boy or his family because they're both still trapped in that devastated city, as are thousands of others. Meanwhile, this morning, the ICRC is saying that another evacuation attempt is underway at that besieged steel plant. They would not give any other further details due to the sensitivity of the operation. Craig, back to you. That diary, uh, it is all just so very sad. Aaron McLaughlin for us there in Kiev. Aaron, thank you. Meantime, advocates on both sides of the abortion debate are grappling with what comes next if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. That's especially true in Texas, already home to one of the nation's most restrictive abortion laws. NBC's Morgan Chesky is in Fort Worth with the latest on that story. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. And right now, if a woman shows up to this Texas clinic, abortion is already banned at six weeks. But if this draft opinion is followed through by the Supreme Court overturning Roe, abortion could be all but outlawed here in the state of Texas. Not only that, but Texas would join a host of other conservative-led states following suit. Overnight, Chief Justice John Roberts speaking out about that draft opinion, blasting the unprecedented leak as, quote, absolutely appalling, according to the Washington Post, and vowing it will not affect the court's work. But across the country, states and activists on both sides are getting ready.
Texas is at the epicenter of the abortion rights debate. It's one of 13 states with so-called trigger laws that would ban abortion with exceptions for the health of the mother if Roe is overturned. Democrat Beto O'Rourke, looking to unseat Republican Greg Abbott as Texas governor, is seizing on the law Abbott signed last year. This is not about life. This is about control. This is about power. It's about controlling the lives of the women of Texas and taking power away from them. Abbott's focusing on the leaked draft Supreme Court opinion itself, urging the court to issue it without delay. I think the majority opinion in this case must be issued this week to show that the United States Supreme Court will not be intimidated. Louisiana also would outlaw abortion if Roe is overturned and its legislator is going further, advancing a bill that would criminalize the procedure, meaning abortion providers and mothers could be charged with homicide. Bradley Pierce helped write the bill. We believe that uh, you know, abortion is cruel and it's it's the taking of an innocent life and that's we should make that illegal. And there shouldn't be some exception for mothers. Connecticut's governor signing a sweeping bill into law, offering expanded access to abortion and new protections to providers and patients, including those from out of state. First Lady Jill Biden, in an interview airing this weekend on MSNBC, urging abortion rights advocates to step up efforts in their states. The election of the president matters mm -hmm. because he's the one who puts uh, the justices on the court. Our state legislators are going to matter, too. So people have to get involved. Now, in the meantime, Senate Democrats are expected to hold a vote this upcoming Wednesday on a bill that would guarantee abortion rights nationwide. But as of right now, that measure is expected to fail. Hoda. All right, Morgan Chesky for us there in Texas. Morgan, thank you. Turning to the weather now, including more threats of severe storms across the South and Mid-Atlantic today with nearly 40 million Americans affected. This as parts of Texas and Oklahoma are still recovering from a severe outbreak of tornadoes over the last several days there. Some new drone footage here showing the, the aftermath of a confirmed tornado. You can see campers overturned there, trees uprooted at an, at an RV park in East Texas. One resident was hit by a fallen tree. The injury, we're told, though, is not life-threatening, thankfully, but that's, that's a terrifying scene. Yeah, there. which is a perfect segue into Al. Yeah. That weather, it seems like it's not letting up. I know, and it's moving east, too, and we've also got a lot of rain to talk about as we show you what's happening. We've got flash flood watches and flood warnings from Missouri also into the northeast and mid-Atlantic states. We've got a risk of severe weather for 38 million people stretching from Washington out to Cincinnati and down to New Orleans, Savannah, Georgia as well. We're looking at wind gusts of over 60 miles per hour possible, damaging winds, hail, and tornadoes possible as this system moves to the east. So heavy rain soaking the Ohio Valley into the uh, mid-Atlantic today. A severe risk of weather from uh, Louisiana all the way to Virginia. Tomorrow, a rainy, cool day from D.C. to New York. Showers and storms will continue across the southeast. As we move into Mother's Day, this low pressure is going to linger right along the eastern seaboard. So cool, cloudy, not a great day for Mother's Day. Unseasonably, unseasonably cool for the mid-Atlantic and the northeast. Look at these rainfall totals through Sunday, one to three inches in the northeast. But as you get into the Appalachians, we could be looking at upwards of four inches or more. For those of you in the south, get ready for some summertime temperatures. Oh, really? Right. Well, the All details right. coming out. That's right, a good now. tease. Thank coming you. up uh, before that, though, some new images released in the manhunt. New images uh, for the murder suspect and the corrections officer who helped him escape. What authorities are now saying about where they could be. Plus, the countdown's on to the iconic Kentucky Derby. We're going to have everything you need to know about the horses, the hype, 
and one high-profile absence at tomorrow's annual Run for the Roses, live from Churchill Downs. Oh. Look at our duo there. <laughs> All right, but first, hat. <laughs> this is today on NBC. <laughs> Bring an internal hat. <laughs> When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed come on 7 30 it's friday Oh, come on. I love this song, too. May 6, 2022. We cannot wait to get outside. Seated at those tables, incredible moms and daughters. They're filling our plaza. We're having a little early Mother's Day celebration. We broke out the umbrellas, too. It's going to be touching. It's going to be inspiring. We're going to have some fun. And I think you're going to feel just really good about yourself when this little bit is over. We're going to celebrate moms. And we are also going to have just a few surprises Mm -hmm. as well. We love a surprise. uh, First, though, your 730 headlines on this Friday. A former defense secretary under Donald Trump is making a stunning accusation. The New York Times is reporting this morning that in his upcoming book, Mark Esper, says then-President Trump floated the idea of launching missiles into Mexico. According to Esper, Trump said he wanted to, quote, destroy the drug labs and wipe out the cartels. NBC News has reached out to Mr. Trump's team but have not received a response. The Times reports that the memoir was vetted by the Pentagon to check for classified information and more than two dozen four-star generals and some cabinet members reviewed the book for accuracy. The man accused of attacking comedian Dave Chappelle on stage this week is now charged with four misdemeanor counts. The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office says the incident was criminal but did not rise to the felony level. Police arrested 23-year-old Isaiah Lee after he allegedly jumped on stage and tackled Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl Tuesday night. Police said Lee had a replica handgun with a knife blade, but it's not clear if he actually brandished it. If Lee is convicted, he faces up to a year and a half in prison. And a history-making appointment at the White House on Thursday. President Biden naming Corinne Jean-Pierre as the new White House press secretary. She will be the first black woman and the first openly gay person to hold that position. Jean-Pierre has served as deputy press secretary to Jen Psaki since the beginning of the Biden administration. Psaki's last day is next Friday. All right. Meantime, the search is once again being expanded for that missing inmate from Alabama and the corrections officer who investigators believe helped him with his escape. The pair managing to evade arrest now for more than a week. NBC's Sam Brock is following the manhunt for us. He joins us once again from Alabama. Sam, good morning. Craig Hoda, good morning. The tips have been pouring in from every corner of the country, according to the U.S. Marshals Service so far. None of them bearing any fruit, but there is optimism right now. This duo will be caught after newly released images of the suspects we're about to show you and help 
being enlisted at our borders. A full week into a frantic manhunt, and Casey White and Vicki White are still nowhere to be found. So you don't even know what region of the country they might be in? We have no idea. The U.S. Marshal Service releasing a batch of new photos and artist renderings featuring the towering six foot nine Casey with distinct tattoos on his chest and arms and one on his back depicting the logo of a white supremacist prison gang. Vicky's renderings show what the five foot five blonde deputy would look like with darker hair. Officials say it's likely both have altered their appearances. The U.S. Marshals have branches and task forces across the country aiding the search. Though they can't specify the number of resources, the agency does confirm outreach to border countries, saying everything is on the table to find the pair's location. We have been in contact with uh, CBP, you know, Border Patrol, Homeland Security, um, and we really rely on those relationships to, to uh, kind of communicate some of that, that intelligence. Vicki and Casey White, who are not related, walked out of the Lauderdale County Jail last Friday with the highly regarded deputy taking the capital murder suspect by herself, violating protocol. Since his escape, Casey White is now being investigated for another possible murder of his then-girlfriend, Christy Shelton. Her death in 2008 was previously ruled a suicide. So, Casey White was with my mom the night that she committed suicide. Um, nothing was really ever investigated. Shelton's daughter, who asked us not to use her name or show her identity, flagging the case to authorities. More so advocating my mom's story and um, letting all that get heard because I don't feel like she even had a fighting chance in getting justice for what happened. Casey, a violent career criminal who's been in and out of jail for decades, has now vanished without a trace with his former jailer. Authorities believe the pair is likely armed, and they consider them desperate and dangerous. Investigators believe that the six-hour-long head start that that pair received before police even knew that they had escaped is significant, especially when you consider the law enforcement expertise that Vicki White was working with. That said, also, as for reports that she may have been rehearsing this escape days in advance, the U.S. Marshal Service guy says there is absolutely no way to prove that. Craig, back to you. Wow. All right. Sam Brock for us once again from Florence. Sam, thank you. All right, coming up next, your guide to one of the most iconic sporting events in the world. We're talking about tomorrow's running of the Kentucky Derby. We got Dylan standing by live at Churchill Downs. We got Mike Tarico beaming. Uh, we're going to check in with both of them coming up right after this. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. 
And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Oh, we're back, 740 with In-Depth today, folks. Get your hats ready, get the mint juleps ready, yeah. because tomorrow is the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. Okay, Dylan and Mike Tirico, they're going to join us, join us from iconic Churchill Downs in just a second. But first, NBC's Stephanie Gosk will set the stage for us. Hey, Steph, morning. Hey, good morning. It's that time again, the, quote, most exciting two minutes in sports. Back to full capacity this weekend. But one of the most recognizable names in horse racing won't be there. Trainer Bob Baffert suspended this year and next after a failed drug test from his winning horse Medina Spirit. And without Baffert, some say it could open the door for a new face of horse racing. The bluegrass, the mint juleps, and the three-year-old thoroughbreds. The hallmarks of the Kentucky Derby will be on display Saturday for the 148th running of one of the oldest traditions in sports. But this venerated race returns with a tarnished image. A failed post-race drug test that ultimately banned seven-time derby winner and trainer Bob Baffert from Churchill Downs through 2023. I got the biggest gut punch in racing for something that I didn't do. But that doesn't mean his footprint won't be there. Trainer Tim Yachtin, Baffert's former assistant 20 years ago, took over two of the notorious trainer's horses, Messier and Taba, who will compete Saturday. So honor, um, you know, excitement. I'm really in for a journey here. Messier is among the favorites, but brown colt Zandon is at the top with three to one odds, fresh off a win in April's Bluegrass Stakes. Jockey Mike Smith could become the oldest rider to win the Derby at 56 with horse Taba, while the young 26-year-old Ray Lou Gutierrez hopes to steer towards victory. Get this opportunity is very humbling, and um, I just hope that people, you know, can see that, hey, this is the youngest guy here, and uh, big things are coming for him. As the anticipation builds in Louisville, tourism is at a high, bouncing back from the pandemic, attracting horse racing fans from all over. Well, I'm from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Maryland. Modesto, California. Even a pre-derby gala is planned tonight with a star-studded guest list including Janet Jackson, Sam Hunt, and Orlando Bloom. All bets are off in the run for the roses. Of the Triple Crown races, the Derby is the only one that is uninterrupted since it was first run wow. in 1875. Even during COVID, it managed to go ahead just a little later in the year. You guys may rem remember it was in September yeah. Oh, yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to this. Steph, thank you great. for more on the drama, more on the excitement of the Kentucky Derby. We got Dylan Dreyer down at Churchill Downs with our other pal. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> Good morning, morning guys. Uh, you know, Mike, it's it's wild to be here because, yeah. first of all, we haven't been here in the last couple years. Mm -hmm. um, me personally. Yes, good to have you back. It's nice Welcome to be back. back. Uh, last year wasn't at full capacity. We're back this year, but someone who's not back, Bob Baffert. Right. He's a celebrity around here. Do you mm -hmm. think it'll be felt that he his presence isn't here? Certainly, if you're watching on TV, I think Stephanie hit it perfectly mm -hmm. in the setup story. Bob Baffert is the human face of this sport for the last two decades, and he's one of the most successful trainers of all time, having won six derbies would have been a seventh last year but as she mentioned it was disqualified after about a nine month wait for that to finally happen but the presence of Baffert is here with those two horses Messier and Taba both have chances they're trained by a guy who was an assistant for Baffert so his presence will be a part of this event even though his familiar mane of white hair will not be <laughs> of course uh, you know I like to gamble I like yep. to bet on the horses um, I tend to go with like a 15 to 20 to 1 
an odd, but who are the favorites going into the race? Yeah, it is not a clear cut, there's a horse to beat. Mm -hmm. which is always fun for the wagering and gives you a little bit better return if you find the right one. Uh, Epicenter is one of those horses to watch. Steve Asbussen is the trainer of that horse. He's won more races than any trainer in the history of North American thoroughbred racing, mm -hmm. but not the Derby. So he's trying to win his first one. So that's one horse I would watch. And uh, we mentioned Zandon as well. He's also trained by Chad Brown, one of the best in the business, looking for his first Derby. That's my choice. I'll give okay. that away early. <laughs> if you want to change the odds, go out there. But right. that's the horse I think is going to win the Derby. So those are the horses everyone's talking about, but what's it like, you know, in, in the corners of the track here? You know, who, who has the buzz? This is the week that we do Today Show hours. We show up early at the track. There's a lot of buzz about a horse from China, or from, from Japan, excuse me, that's getting a lot of attention. Crown Pride has gotten, one, a lot of attention, and two, a great track record. And horse racing in Japan has had a great run the last six or seven months. The people who know around here are thinking about adding Crown Pride to their betting options for the weekend. So keep okay. an eye on that horse. I got to meet uh, Cyberknife yesterday. Oh. Did you know that he has a goat that actually keeps him comfortable and keeps him calm before the race? Well, it's a five-hour show. That's why we have 16 <laughs> of us here to cover. I didn't know that, but thank you. Yes, so that's why I think I might place my bet on Cyberknife. Okay, 20 to go. 1 odds, guys. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Mike. We'll be watching, again, the coverage of the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. It starts tomorrow at 2.30 Eastern on NBC streaming on Peacock. A lot of people are wondering, like, if it rains, yeah. then what goes down? I, I, fact, Mike, I, want, I wanted to ask Mike, hey, Mike, because it looks like it's going to be really rainy today. Yeah. Maybe showery tomorrow, but the track looks like it could be a little messy. What is, what's that going to mean? Yeah, Al, one thing we always look at when we check out who to bet, is a horse favored because they've run well in the mud. Most of these horses have not run on a muddy track. Oh. So if you guys can take care of the weather today, <laughs> dry it out by tomorrow morning. It does dry out pretty quickly, though. This track dries really right. well. So there's a chance that it won't be that, as muddy mm -hmm. as it might be if it rained during the day like it did a few years ago. Okay. All right. All there right. we go. All that's in the mud. Thank you. Right. How can a mudder be a fodder? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's show you what we got. Temperature-wise, and as far as the Derby, Saturday, 2.30, this Coverage begins mostly cloudy, breezy, cool, 64, could be a sprinkle or two, but for the most part, we think pretty dry. Now, what we are talking about is some heat from New Orleans, where today it's going to be 89, Dallas 95, Midland, Texas 102, Denver almost 20 degrees above average at 88. Sunday, the heat continues, records possible in Dallas, Little Rock, Jackson, New Orleans, Austin, Roswell, Amarillo, all the way down to Laredo with 160 degrees and on Monday dozens of more records likely likely from Quincy Illinois Baton Rouge New Orleans Midland Texas and this lasts into next week mid 90s Amarillo Kansas City Memphis New Orleans on down to Dallas and out into uh, Houston Texas but here in the Northeast oh my gosh temperatures only 66 in Des Moines today Cleveland 57 New York six degrees cooler than average tomorrow the cool continues going right on into Mother's Day, temperatures stay below average, but then slowly start to warm up as we get on into Tuesday, mid-60s by Tuesday in New York, Hagerstown, Maryland, upper 60s. And that's your latest weather. Guys? All right, coming up, Al, we've got a great celebration, a special one for Mother's Day, and it's also the start of National Nurses Week. So Harry Smith is going to introduce us to a mother-daughter duo going above and beyond to help people in their community get the care they need. But first, these messages. 
What's up, Carson? Good morning, everybody. Coming up, Swifties are in a frenzy. On Popstart, we're going to check out Taylor's surprise release of new music overnight. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.